Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good Risings. I'm Liz Earnshaw and this is Hash It Out. Today, I continue to be joined by my friend and colleague, Catherine Hurling. Catherine is a licensed marriage and family therapist out of Pennsylvania. If you've been following along this week, you know that Catherine specializes in neurodivergence. And so we have been talking about how that plays out in our relationships. Yesterday, Catherine was talking about the importance of self-advocacy. So being able to ask for help, being able to let other people help you in your life and how that's just a really important thing in relationships in general. This time today, I would like to talk about advocacy for others. And so today's listener question is, Dear Liz, do you have any tips on what I can do to advocate for my child in the school system and also just within our community. My child is neurodivergent and struggles and sometimes I wish that people at school or even people in their friendship circles understood this a little bit more. Mm, Tough question, tough question, but really important because we can't learn how to self-advocate until someone models for us and shows us how to advocate for ourselves. And so I'm going to start with a teeny tiny disclaimer and also a shout out. So a lot of this I wound up learning from my mother. My mother was such an amazing advocator for me within the school system. And um, her and I have had wonderful, wonderful conversations about what that process was like for her, you know, 20 something odd years ago. And by being able to talk through this with her, I have gained a greater understanding of that emotional component of all of this. And I I could spend hours talking about how caregivers feel when they have a neurodivergent child and all the things that can go on in your head. So when we're talking about the school system, the really cool thing is that we have laws in place that ensure that your child receives the best education possible within the public school setting. Private schools are gonna be a little bit different, but today I will talk about the public school system because that's far more consistent. Private schools kind of get to set up their own rules with that. So when it comes to accommodations, you go under usually two different paths. It's going to either be an individualized education plan, an IEP, or we're going to go under what is called a 504 plan, which is a little bit less intense. We don't need to get into the specifics of it. What I do wanna discuss is how do you get that ball rolling? It's actually pretty simple. You write a letter requesting for an evaluation in order to assess for the need of accommodations. You send that to your school principal. I like to send it to almost everybody. So your school principal, the school counselor, and then your the special education advocate for your school district. Just let them right. all know. Let them all know so that then there's no, there's no someone forgot somewhere. 
And then they are required to respond within a certain period of time. And so you essentially put the ball in their court. This is absolutely free. You have every right to ask for this. If someone tries to give you pushback and say, we don't think that's appropriate, that's neither here nor there. They are required to give you an evaluation. And then after that evaluation process, which takes a little bit of time, you then have an IEP meeting, which is essentially where your child's school support discusses what accommodations they're recommending, any kind of diagnoses that they received, and what goals they want to set for your child, especially if it's an IEP, because usually that means that the educational goals are a little bit different. And essentially, you have it's a back and forth. You get to say, here's what I want, or not, not here's what I want per se, but more, um, I don't think this makes the best sense because you know your child best. The school sees them within the school setting, you see them everywhere. And so it can feel very daunting, especially when it's all these people with all these, you know, fancy schmancy titles. You can feel like, oh my God, I shouldn't say anything. Say something. If you don't feel like this makes sense, say something. That is your right. I could probably do like a 25 part series on how to do this. At the very least, we can talk about how you get that ball rolling because it's far simpler than you think. Yeah. Yeah. And from a behind the scenes lens, so I used to work in, in schools and something that I also suggest going off of what you said is that as soon as you think it, say it. Because one of the things that happens in the schools, and this often is nothing malicious, it's often just that there are literally not enough hours in the day, is that the later in the year you ask for it, or the closer to a holiday you ask for it, the longer it's going to take. And so what I've seen happen is that parents will start to want to advocate for their kid. You know, they'll start to think in September, I think that, you know, they're struggling with X, Y, and Z because they might need an extra special support around this. But I am going to wait it out because I don't want to bother the teacher. It's a new year. I don't want to seem like I'm a pain in the butt. I want to see how it works out, all of these things. And then unfortunately what happens, and I don't know if you've had a similar experience either with yourself or with people you've worked with, but what I've seen happen again and again is that around November, the family finally says, okay, I need to say something. I want to get something done around this. But what's happening in November in schools is that the teachers are starting to do assessments, they're closing out their classroom, people are taking vacations, the school psychologist might be gone for the week. All of this stuff starts to happen. And then winter break happens. And then you come back in February and they start to get the ball rolling, but getting that ball rolling takes a couple weeks. And then what happens is none of the accommodations are ready until the following year. Even harder is if you wait until after winter break, then what happens is they don't do the assessments until the following year because you have to get appointments and all sorts of stuff. And it'll be like May and you'll get your appointment for May, but then the results aren't back until June and the year is over. So this is just a little like behind the scenes hack is that you're not annoying anybody. And if you are, that's their problem. If your child is going to quote, grow out of it, 
then there's still no harm in doing the assessment if you think that you need to do one. So you don't need to wait until like November to see if they grow out of it or whatever. And it's really better the sooner you say it because then you're going to be less frustrated. You're going to have fewer delays and it'll be top of mind instead of I'm thinking about this while I'm also, you know, instead of the teacher saying I'm thinking about this, but I'm also thinking about going into the holidays or cleaning up my classroom for the end of the year. So yeah, I just kind of wanted to share that. And, and the earlier you get involved, the easier it is for your kids to learn how to work around this so that then as adults, they can continue to work around whatever their, their challenges are. Yeah, absolutely. It teaches them just to say it at the beginning and going off of what you said in Tuesday's episode around bring problems up when they're small. This is kind of like the same thing. It's like if you notice that your kid's having a tough time with X, Y, and Z, bring it up even if it feels like it's small. Because that also helps, not only does that get the ball rolling with whatever supports are needed, but it also helps your kid to see that they're allowed to bring things up, even if it's small. And that when they go into the world and with their friends and their romantic partners and their workplaces, that they don't have to wait until it gets completely overwhelming to say, hey, it's really helpful for me to do X, Y, and Z. And I think that I'm just gonna tell you that at the start. Yeah, exactly. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here with us this week, Catherine. I love talking to you and I got a ton of questions on this topic. So we'll have to have you back another time because a lot of people want to figure this out and make sure that they're doing it right. So could you tell everybody though, where they can find you, what you do, all of the fun stuff? Sure. I'm a bit of a one-stop shop. I do individual couple and family therapy. You can find me on the uh, A Better Life website, Katherine Perling, LMFT. Alas, I do not have a social media presence. I just like to insert little bits of me into the uh, the A Better Life Instagram. But if you have any questions, if you want to schedule a meet with me, by all means, reach out to A Better Life. I'm around. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here with us this week. I am Liz Earnshaw, the author of I Want This to Work. You can find me on Instagram at Liz Listens. Thank you so much for listening to Good Risings. We love to hear from you, so please leave us a review. Until next time, love on your loved ones. And when that gets hard, tune in to me to learn how to hash it out. Good Risings is presented by Cavalry Audio.